your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Thank you so much for listening to all of these amazing and exceptional positive imprints. I'm Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive actions are inspiring positive achievements. Exceptional people rise to the challenge. Music by the talented Chris Knoll. Check out his music at chrisknoll.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. My website is yourpositiveimprint.com. You can listen to the show from my website, yourpositiveimprint.com, or of course, listen from any podcast platform. Enjoy the show and get inspired to activate your own positive imprint. Your Positive Imprint, what's your PI? Well, hello, everybody. We are going to have a quick change in episodes today, and Leif Cox will be next week, part two, because today we have a time frame with my guest and a vote that is coming up, which she will talk about over in California in United States. So Reiko was born in Tokyo and began writing songs at the age of Four. Her first song was written about her mom, which is just so sweet. Well, since then, she has composed dozens and dozens of songs heard in movies, national and international events, and I cannot name them all, but I do want to mention Until We Meet Again. Oh my gosh. She wrote this song and recorded it in record time using only the instruments that sound like the 1950s Japanese pop. And it is used in the popular series, The Man in the High Castle. Reiko's hypnotic voice transcends across the continents. She collaborates musical compositions as well as videos and movies based on topics, including the environment, (laughs) my passion, gratitude, joy, suicide prevention, and animal welfare. She was on my show talking about music with the legendary Frank Kilpatrick on episode 147. And I learned so much more about Reiko, including the different passions that she has. Well, today's episode features her work and active positive imprints and voice for the voiceless, the animals. It is really super exciting to have Reiko featured on this very topic. She's actively involved in getting California Assembly Bill 2764 passed, and she's going to talk about that and so much more on today's show. Reiko, it is so good to have you back again. That was a long introduction, but you have so much. Thank you so much. So good to be here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh, Reiko, absolutely. I learned about the positive imprints of what you're working on every single day in your life and the dedication that you have my life pretty much with other than music my life evolves around saving animals this is a really the perfect platform to talk about the the rights of animals and how we are all equal and i I just do everything in my power to live my life to be the voice for the voiceless and powerless 
I had a really great role model. My sister was vegan for 27 years and she started it a long, long time ago, way before social media exposed all that stuff. And it was so much harder back then. And it's everything is exposed to us now. And so therefore I believe there are no excuses unless you are okay with all the cruel torture and heinous crimes that goes on in the slaughterhouses. We can't shut our eyes anymore because everything is out in the open. And you're right. There's more media coverage. There's, as you were talking earlier, there's so many more articles, so many videos that people take. The animals don't have a voice. So how do you bring their voice to the forefront to inspire others to want to save animals. Yeah, I recently went on the uh, rally to free uh, four elephants from Los Angeles Zoo. My girlfriend, my husband, and my uh, drummer came with me, and it was a great, peaceful rally in front of the, the, the gate of LA Zoo. Hopefully it made some impact because I had a very sad incident where Himeji Zoo in Japan had this elephant called Himeko who lived a horribly lonely life by herself on the concrete for decades after decades. While we were working and putting the petitions together, she died. Elephants are herd animals and they, are so affectionate and they're so connected with their families and they cannot live alone and unless they're forced to. You can't educate your children in zoos. That's not how animals behave or live in the wild. It's just why do you want to look at the caged up, sad, lonely, neglected animals not in their habitat? I mean, even research animals. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. I believe in clinical trials with humans. These we are volunteering to with sharing our DNA to to help the medical science advance. Ninety-five percent of all drug trials on animal fails. So it really makes no sense except researchers to make money from our tax dollars. So animal testing, zoo animals, and of course what we're gonna talk about today, the so-called livestock. <laughs> They all need to be liberated and live out their, their lives as they should with our, under our love and care. I want to talk about the elephants. Leif Cox, again, he, his part one was last week and then part two will be uh, next week after, after your episode today. But he also mentioned, and I'm going to, with the elephants, you have never gone into the wild and spent time with the elephants in the wild. You don't observe them, you don't study them, none of that. Yet, you still lifted yourself up and said, they need a voice, this cannot be done. And I think that's an important message that you are bringing and that Leif and other guests and other people around the world bring to the forefront is that people want to save wildlife even though they don't even live in the country. Or the continent. So, I mean, yeah. So, whatever happened with the elephants? Uh, they're still there. Oh, so did, what, was there any media coverage to help get the word out? Yes, there were media, the news channel from England that came and joined us. And our fight is not over yet. We are going to keep on 
spreading the words and getting the petitions through care Two or change.org. Oh, also lady free thinker. I love her. She's, you know, changing the law and she tries so hard and lady free thinker. I mean, it's just conservation. It's, it's not going to work until you do it forever. Every day, there's so much that we need to do and it just piles up and piles up and there's a, the, the elephants that needs to be saved and beagles and the German shepherd. I just foster this huge German shepherd and pit mix <laughs> that were <laughs> just about to be euthanized and oh. she was confiscated abandonment case at a shelter after the owner passed away. She was just left to die without water or food and I just, I don't know, my emotional emotionality just Took, took a charge and I just had to go and my little papillon and chihuahua mix hates it that there was this like giant monster in the in the house I, I named this German shepherd pit mix Gigi as in gentle giant oh <laughs> so yeah the the humans we we have to be responsible for all of our actions even starting adopting animals I mean if you are going to adopt an animal that is alive it's not some toys or material things that you get tired of and throw it away. Or So whenever that happens, people like us have to step up and help as much as we, as much as we can. How do you reach people like that? Or do you ever? So I talk to farm directors. I just recently had a lengthened two-hour conversation with the owner of a dairy farm in up north in California. It just like you said earlier, we get nowhere without kindness, but the most uh, important thing is education. And you try, we try to educate those people as much as we can. I get on the debate between hunters and vegans. I used to think it's hard, but it's becoming easier than before that I figure out the way to just reach out kind of like the becoming the mediator. I believe that there are no humane ways to kill anything that's living and breathing. But compared to factory farming and hunting, if you are hunting for an animal and you kill an animal and you use every part of the animal and there's no way to just go from meat eater to vegan in one day, I believe the transition is very important. Now, I can get a lot of heat from vegans and my fellow vegans and um, animal rights activists, but I believe that if you really want to get to the core of people who have no uh, sense of understanding and how it's wrong to kill and or eat um, other flesh, you always want to kind of ease into using transitions like Amazon owned supermarket Whole Foods recently dropped 90 over 90% of its chicken suppliers. And now they only carry 365 brand, their brand or Mary's chicken, which is step three and above most of the chickens that they have. So transitions, educations and transition, I believe is the most important thing to get to the heart of every individual without putting them down or being mean to them because they get frustrated, right? So that's how I do it. Peacefully and get the facts, research, and math has no bias. Numbers don't lie. So just get the facts right and just talk to them with compassion and be as, as kind as you can be.
I mean, I grew up in Tokyo, Japan. I mean, Kobe beef was my breakfast, lunch, dinner. When my my sister became animal rights activist, I was like, what is, what are you talking about? But then I was educated slowly but surely. And here I am just being an activist. And I cannot thank my sister enough for that. So what is it like in Japan? There is a, a group called Animal Rights Center in Japan, and they work very hard to get the messages out. I, I love reading uh, a lot of J fellow Japanese people's comments because I never thought so many Japanese people would agree to their movement and animal rights and all that. I think that awareness is everything. United States, whether you like it or not, we influence the world, right? Rest of the world. So I, I believe that this AB 2764 bill that we've been working on, it, it, it will stop the factory farms from expanding and being built. I've been working hard at ending our factory farming system with nonprofit organization called Direct Action Everywhere. Along with my team members, the actress Alexandra Paul, she's best known as a beautiful, gorgeous, stunning, tall bonnet <laughs> in the, the Baywatch, the, the TV show with uh, Pamela Anderson and attorney Leslie Shanley. This bill, AB 2764, which is going to be voted on by the California Assembly Agriculture Committee on April 6th in Sacramento. If you are near Sacramento and if you can get to the uh, Capitol, that'd be great. There is going to be a peaceful get together and rally on April 6th in Sacramento, and it will stop all new factory farms from being built in the state and stop the expansion of existing ones if they make over $100,000 a year. And if the bill can get out of committee, it then goes to the whole assembly, and, and then they vote yes. If they do, it goes to, I believe, California Senate, and if it passes that, then governors can still veto it. So it has some challenges, but the greatest thing is that such a bill is being discussed at all for the farm animals. If this goes through, the whole world is going to be stunned because this is the first time that people are really paying attention to the livestock farm animals where a lot of people think that they're just food, food animals. I mean, who ever decided what animals to cuddle with and then other animals to eat? I just don't understand the concept anymore at all. We're just very happy that this bill is even introduced. This is the first ever, it's, it's, it's historical. And I have a pretty good feeling that because there's so many people, volunteers working for this bill to pass, I believe that our voices are being heard and people are working very hard. And I'm so glad about the new generation, like people who are like in the teens and early twenties, there are very, very much involved and working hard in their university campus and getting the word out. We go do the postcard signing in the district of where the assembly members are, <clears throat> and we just go up to people. I recently ran into this a man. He said, I'm a Mexican. His family was very mistreated being in a factory farm workers. He told me about this, about this um, Bracero stories that the Mexican farmers are promised, if they work hard in California, they were promised a piece of land in Mexico. The whole thing was a lie. 
and to make a long story short, he is very against factory farm farming system. So he he educated me a lot about why there is even more reasons why factory farming um, business and system should be banned. And I was very happy to meet him and then other people who are very proactive and very much supportive of this bill. A lot of people might think of this and i agree that systemic environmental race racism right so a lot of people who are unfortunate that they need to live around the factory farms and you've seen the lagoons it's the the most disgusting site let's talk about the numbers every 800,000 pigs produce the same amount of waste as all the people live in austin texas but austin texas i mean people humans we have the sewage system but the pig waste goes to the lagoons and it seeps under the ground and then sometimes it dispersed into the air. And the waste contains more than 150 types of pathogens. And it affects all the people around the factory farms and it's in the air, it affects the planet and then the people, it is, it is the real nightmare to the public. So I believe this transition is very important the factory farming system should just totally be banned because I believe, I think that I read within a century since 1910, there are 1 million family farms that had to sh be shut down because of the factory farming system. The, the farmers makes 92% less income since 1910 because of the factory farm farming system so it affects it doesn't even just affects animals it affects workers everything that the you know planet animals workers people everything so i believe again transition is the key if the factory farms just owns everything the meats and everything is cheaper a lot cheaper why because it's poison it's it's, it's junk and they put the labels of happy cows and happy chickens it's just all lies we're being deceived by corporate giants unless they educate the public about it nobody's going to know about it and then they will just keep poisoning themselves their loved ones and their children i mean still still the number one uh, cause of death in the u.s is food diet related death the diabetes and heart disease and it all comes from those poor poison poisonous meat that's produced in factory farms I mean, there are farms like White Oak Pastures where even though I'm vegan, they're a very sustainable farm and they, you know, produce everything and they process, which is slaughter all the animals in their farm. So no, no animals are being tra transported. All the animals are pasture raised and none of the factory farming BS that happens there. So, yeah, I believe that transition is the key for millions of millions of residents on planet. Going back to your 1910 and the history of mm -hmm. family farming, Deck Family Farms, they were on my podcast in 2019, right before COVID. And she talked about the history and mm -hmm. the amount of money lost to mm -hmm. the factory farms. And she is completely sustainable in a pasture-free and, and et cetera. But she also talked about the money involved to be a certified humane source mm -hmm. and to pay for that stamp and everything that you have to go through. And it's it costs a lot of money. So like you say, for the farmers that really want to do that, they can't afford to 
have the inspection for it and then to pay for the stamp that comes with it along with pasture free. And I also, I learned the difference with cage free and pasture free and so on and so forth, which is a huge difference for those chickens. Yeah, huge difference. Yes. But when I think about my father-in-law who owned a farm, they were completely sustainable and they were proud farmers and happy farmers. And they lived off of the meat that they raised and the milk that they had and the vegetables. And there were four boys. Each of them was responsible for an animal or plant or whatever, or both. And my husband was responsible for the sheep. There was a lot of respect and dignity coming from that family. My father-in-law, I remember him saying to me that he never thought it was fair with the political issues that came about for grazing rights and then the factory farms. And it made it difficult for him. And also it was hard because the four boys left the farm to begin their own lives. But he was dignified and my husband and all three brothers dignified. So we'll see how this bill goes and what happens come April 6th. If we don't act now, I mean, that's why I, I get so passionate about it. So we all live in this planet mm-hmm. and it ties to everything. Sometimes I get into this debate where I'm, I'm Christian, but other Christian people will say, well, God gave us the animals for us to eat and for us to use. God is, to me, God is all about love and he gave us the animals to be our companions. And that's how I believe. And I believe that there is, just like I said, I, I believe that there are no humane ways to kill anything that has beating hearts. But transition is necessary because not everybody think the way I do. We're talking about the planet health. Global animal agriculture is responsible for 30% of our water, freshwater footprint, and covers nearly one half of Earth usable ice-free land. And get this, 80% of deforestations in the Amazon serves cattle agriculture. Right. And so today, 60% of mammals on Earth are livestock, mostly cattle and pigs, and 70% of all birds on Earth are farmed poultry. I mean, is this sad? It's so sad. And only 4%, I think it was 4 or 5%, 4% of all mammals are wild. 4%. And... That made me think of something that Lisa Highwood said, who's from Africa. Her dad was Tiki Highwood. She opened up, after the death of her father, an animal sanctuary. And she mentioned something that was important that I don't think we do enough of in the United States. If something is going to be removed, such as you can't go out and hunt this animal or that animal, which was livelihood for some people, what will you do to replace that income or that food? And so they do come up with ways to produce something. Another gal, Mubatu, she's a beekeeper in Africa. Wow. And you don't think about a beekeeper saving animals like elephants, right? But she saw that people were killing elephants because the elephants would come in and eat their gardens. Well, that's their livelihood. So what can be done instead of saying, stop, you can't touch those elephants, they're protected. Instead of doing that, 
she came in and said, look, I know a way that will prevent the elephants from coming and eating your garden. We build beehives all around the perimeter of this village, and it will keep the elephants out because they're afraid of bees. That's perfect. And it worked. And in return, the people had these beehives producing honey, and Mubatu would purchase the honey from them. So now they have an income. There are ways to transition without losing a livelihood or finances or or whatever. I do want to talk more about the impact of workers at factory farms. They very often suffer post-traumatic stress disorder, perpetration-induced traumatic stress, and range of other horrifying syndromes. Studies have found that slaughterhouse worker and sl- well, slaughterhouse work itself is connected to higher incidence of domestic violence and alcohol and drug abuse too. Two amputations per week occurs in slaughterhouses throughout the United States. That's why I talked about environmental racism. Those people are treated so poorly at those places where it produces trauma. I I, I even listened to this lady who used to work at slaughterhouses join the AB2764 movement, and she is completely against factory farming system. And it's very strong coming from people who were in it and seen everything. She nightmares after nightmares because nobody, not too many people likes to torture and kill huge cows and pigs. They, they might not speak, but they have, they cry, they screams, and they know that they're going to get killed. And they refuse. And, oh, there's another uh, documentary, short documentary that I would love you and your audience to watch. It's called Imperial Dust. It's produced by this woman named Raven Brook. Brook, Raven Brook. I'll get that name. But Imperial Dust. Within 12 minutes, audience will learn so much facts, how factory farming systems affect slaughterhouse workers, environment, and animals. It's a great short film, and I highly recommend. So we cover the animals, cruelty, workers being mistreated, and we covered some of the planet health and pollution. But also, I would like to point out the factory farming accounts for 37% of methane emissions which has more than 20 times the global warming potential of CO2. Greenhouse gas emissions from primary agriculture contribute up to 14% of the total annual global emissions. From a global perspective, livestock production is responsible for nearly 80% of all agricultural-related emissions. And so at this current growth rate, Animal agriculture will be responsible for 80% of the entire world's carbon budget by 2050. There's a lot of moral questions, and there's also livelihood and traditional practices. So there has to be a coming together. My nephew, who is only 11, he chose to be a vegetarian. He did not want using Leif Cox's words, he did not want animals to suffer for him. 
So he made that choice on his own. Sometimes children can influence the adults like crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there are kids all around the world who are working with their positive imprints to activate them in many different ways, which I take to heart myself because that's part of sustaining our future. Before I became a music composer, I was a professional uh, personal trainer and meal planner. And so I studied so much about nutrition. I still help my friends with when they want to transition to vegan or even when they're eating fish or chicken. I always give them the meal plan that's slowly they can transition. Well, you certainly are very passionate, but you're also active in trying to make change and trying to inform people about the compassion regarding animal welfare. So we will definitely look April 6th for uh, the bill. But but again, like you say, it, it's making an historic entrance. Yes. Yes, it is. And U.S. influenced the world. California influences the U.S. I hope yes. that this is going to pass and it's going to be a turn of event. I just want love and peace for everyone. That's that's the world I want. And the reason why I work so hard with music and everything is because I want to have a animal sanctuary of my own in Oregon one day when I retire. Oh, and maybe not even when you retire, maybe just a few years yeah. down the road. Yeah. So yeah, Reiko, you are very inspiring. And you. you practice what you preach and Thank you are you. out there making a difference for our tomorrow. And I really appreciate you and, and I enjoy your company. We always have so much to talk about and, yes, and we I talk know. off of the podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, is there anything that you wanted to share before you get to your last inspiring words? Uh, so... Factory farms ruins and shuts down small family farms. I mean, that's obvious. And over 1 million family-owned farms have shut down already so far since 1910. We were talking about that before. And in 1992, 50% of nation's food was produced by small family farms. Today, they only produce quarter of the nation's food. And the workers rely on off-farm income to earn their living wage. So yeah, that's, I I really wanted to point that out because a lot of people want to support the small family farms. I I run into a lot of people that says, yeah, I want to support the small family farms if they're um, not completely against eating meat. They are at least against huge corporate giants. This just totally ruined the small businesses. So I wanted to bring the awareness of the factory farms ruins small businesses and small family for family owned farms again the family farms income went down by 92 percent because of the factory farming system so it's it just affects everybody in every way so there's i i just really don't see any reasons why factory farm system needs to exist so excuse me if i am pronouncing her last name wrong but lana regnant Youth Climate Save says we need to acknowledge the role of food system in climate change 
that our production and consumption of food must be transformed to save the planet. And that is true. Reiko, one of the things that comes out very clearly with the way you speak and what you speak about and how you speak about it is you do not come across as judgmental. You know that people have their value system, but you don't come across as judgmental. And I think that's important for messages to really be taken with consideration. So thank you for that. I thank you. Thank you. I believe that so much that I get into debate all the time. (laughs) I'm sure you do. (laughs) My husband belonged to this group called Master Debater or something (laughs) on Facebook. It's just the funniest name. But I learned that everything can be done with compassion. And I believe everything will be done better. And you can only win with kindness and compassion and love. And if you want to get your point across, it just, everything needs to start with love and respect and honor. Everybody has different opinions. I get it. But the reason why most of the people are kept in the dark is because they're not aware. They just never seen anything except the happy cows and chickens on the labels and ads. (laughs) They don't know what goes on in factory farming system. I mean, it is all about education. Yes, being informed. Reiko, are there any updates regarding your music? Yeah, so I just signed a five-year contract of contract with this publishing company called Empath. And they um, gave me three months to actually, it was so much longer that you you are so generous about speaking of the uh, man in a high castle. They gave me three days to write three <laughs> songs and two out of three songs got accepted and got on the show. So that was great. But this one was a three months to produce empowerment songs about empowerment. And I I really am proud of this production and the compositions and they accepted all four songs. Oh, congratulations. Thank you so much. It just happened like a week ago. Oh, congrats. Very happy. And there is a song called I Am Here that I wrote. And it was about all the voiceless animals and women and children who are being trafficked. Uh, When you're writing something for... um, publishing company for the songs to be licensed in place. The lyrics cannot be too on the nose. So I have to use a lot of imageries and stuff like that. But the whole time I was writing it, I was thinking about the animals and children and women, even men. The men are being trafficked for jobs. I'm just, I don't know, I'm just a little person, but I'm just doing everything I can to bring awareness to the public as much as I can through my music and my work with passion. Well, you are definitely a compassionate voice, and I'm so happy to have you on the show again and to call you my friend. I'm so happy to call you my friend. Yes, thank you. Oh, absolutely. I love my conversations with you. You can find Reiko on Instagram at Lolita Dark Music. L-O-L-I-T-A-D-A-R-K-M-U-S-I-C. So your last inspiring words. Okay, so this is a totally moment of my goofiness. I used to love the show called Vampire Diary. 
I mean, and then I love the main actor, Paul Wesley. And I did not know that he is a vegan and he has been an animal rights activist for a long time. And I just want to share what he said. That is really, really inspiring to me. And I believe that it will inspire it. So Paul Wesley says in the end of the, the video that, that he made for Farm Sanctuary, Today's industrial food system hides the lives in suffering farmed animals. It teaches people that some animals are to be eaten and others are to be loved. It creates a worldview that says the exploitation of farmed animals is necessary to nourish people. It reinforces hierarchy that separate people from other animals and from each other. The truth that all animals are feeling and thinking being worthy of our love must replace the lies that draw the lines between humans and other animals. For people, animals, and planet, now is the time to end factory farming and replace our factory farm food system. We must make a choice to nourish everyone at no one's expense. We can unite to build a just and compassionate food system for people, other animals, and our shared environment. We can replace exploitation with sanctuary. Reiko, thank you for sharing you. your positive imprints here on the show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you. Leif Cox will be next week, part two, Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? <laughs>